in many ways, I was reluctant to identify as a disabled person, let alone as part of a, a sort of disabled community. You know, if anything, I, I tried to steer away from being, you know, categorised as, as someone with a disability. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. Blaine, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Brooke. Yeah, it's nice to meet you, and it's good to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on and giving up some of your free time to be on the pod. I'm really looking forward to this chat. I think it'll be a very interesting one. Likewise, yeah, I think we've been trying to lock it in for a little while, haven't we? Yeah, but it's good that it's come around. I'm like, I'm really looking forward to it. I think there's going to be a lot of things that I've never thought about. And hopefully there'll be some tales to tell too. Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) So first question that I ask absolutely everybody on the podcast, because I personally believe that everybody relates their disability completely individually, is how do you refer to your disability? Um, uh, So I have spina bifida. I was born with spina bifida. And um, uh, that's it. Yeah, Uh, that's all I refer, refer to it as it's a part of me it's part of my experience and um yeah I I feel I feel comfortable talking about um it as spine bifida and as myself as having a disability so yeah I really like how you say that it's a part of your experience because not Mm. a lot of people can necessarily separate the two I think that was a journey that that um it's probably a journey that most disabled people go on to some degree I mean when I was younger um I sort of I suppose uh, shunned the idea of being different to anyone else because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, we, when you're a teenager, especially, you know, you feel like an outsider um, anyway, you know, regardless of, of actually having sort of um, anything physically with, which differentiates you from other kids, you know, other people at school or whatever. So um, in many ways I was reluctant to, to identify as, disabled person let alone as part of a, a sort of um disabled community yeah. I, I if you know if anything I, I tried to um steer away from being um uh you know categorized as, as someone with a disability I mean I was taken to various groups that um you know uh things like horse riding groups and things like I think uh wheelchair basketball I did um one or two sessions of that and I think very quickly I just felt that um as incredible as these things were I I so desperately wanted to fit into what other people my age were doing and mm-hmm. you know at my school none of whom had disabilities so so actually I, I I tried to sort of push myself much more in the direction of things like BMXing I managed to I managed to learn how to ride a bike it, not until I was probably 13 or 14 quite late but I managed to ride a bike on two wheels and I got very into BMXing so for quite a long time it was um it was me trying to keep up with all the other kids at the skate park and just you know bailing and smashing into things all the time yeah. got scars all over me from <laughs> when I attempted to be a BMXer in my teens um and then eventually I found music and obviously the wonderful thing about music is that you know it doesn't uh it doesn't what's the word um music doesn't care about any of that you know I'm not I'm not an athlete I'm a musician and the great thing about musician yeah it's just it's your um 
it's just about expressing yourself and um, being different isn't an issue. If anything, it's celebrated, you know, individuality, I suppose, celebrated in music. Yeah, and it's, oh, this transition is seamless. So, like, the next thing that I would, like, was going to speak about is how has being, like, a disabled person impacted your career, like, specifically within the music industry? Because I know absolutely sweet F.A. about that industry. Like, it's it's so far away from my realm. I don't know how being disabled would impact it if it didn't or if it does or have you faced any barriers to entry? What's it been like for you? Well, in the same, in the same way that um, I said that when I was younger and I was at school, I was very reluctant to identify um, with my disability as part of my experience. I would say that when I went into the music industry straight out of school, I mean, I went to university for, um, I did a foundation course in art and design Mm -hmm. and I started a degree and um, in my first year of university I became you know I got signed to a record company and the band became professional so really I was pretty much straight out of education into music and for those first few years I would say that like at school I tried to um, kind of suppress obviously not suppress my disability but I, 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 I purposefully went out of my way to for example taking my crutches out of photo shoots out of video uh-huh. shoot I didn't like to be photographed with my, cr- with my crutches um, I didn't like to be asked questions about my disability in interviews um, and uh, all of that changed in it was around 2007 or 2008 and I I got a leg injury on tour. So I got quite a bad foot, yeah. foot infection um, halfway through a UK tour. And I went to see a foot specialist and they said, you've, you've got to just stay off this foot. And I said, well, you know, I'm in the middle of a tour. I, uh, uh, <laughs> Not really something I can do. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't like go on bed rest. I mean, you know, I'm a touring musician. So she said, well, you're going to have to go in a wheelchair. I said, well, you know, some of these venues we're playing are up three flights of steps you know there's not terrible lift access I've got to get up on stage each night and she sort of said well it's that or it's you cancel your tour and you go home and you know you stay off your foot for two months six weeks and I said well that's just not an option she said well you're gonna have to get in a wheelchair then and um so normally I I navigate the world on crutches yeah and I've been on crutches since I was around 13 14 I was actually in a wheelchair prior to that mm-hmm. um so this was the first time I'd got back in a, in a chair for you know over 10 years and it really really opened my eyes to how inaccessible the music industry is and yeah. um, certainly was you know there's been great steps um and progress that have happened since then but certainly at that time you know I realized how much I've relied on people around me be it my bandmates um to give me the confidence to get up on stage to he- physically help me get on stage yeah um to help me carry my bags you know on and off the bus into hotels and also then on the road crew to you know bringing me over my guitars coming setting me up mm-hmm. plugging me in all this sort of stuff and um at the end of that tour I I kind of went home and I really thought you know hard and long about it and I thought why why do I feel so reluctant or you know ashamed to talk about my disability in in the press and 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 you know reveal it show it in the public eye 
And around that time, I became friends with a wonderful woman called Suzanne Bull. Mm -hmm. Suzanne Bull um, is the founder and the uh, the main sort of uh, mastermind behind a charity called Attitude Is Everything, which you might have heard of. Um, uh, no, well, Attitude Is Everything is an incredible, tell me more, wonderful, wonderful thing. <laughs> so uh, it, it's it celebrated its twentieth year um, last year or during the pandemic. And it was a it's it was a charity charitable organisation which was set up to work with the music industry to support and campaign for um, better access um, and facilities for disabled artists and audience members. And um, they've been working with the music industry, not against the music industry. No, it isn't like a kind of it isn't a, a situation where um, it's not a crusade. It's not a crusade and it's very much, you know, Attitudes Everything works with venues. They've got this amazing yeah. thing called the Charter of Best Practice. And I believe at this point um, we've got over 150 venues which are signed up to the Charter. And essentially it's, um, it's a rewarding system which provides a framework um, to assist venues and, and music festivals to become more accessible. Um, and the way that it works is that you get awarded a, a, a bronze um, uh, category, for example, if you have, uh, it'll be things like if you've put in a hearing loop for people who, you know, hard of hearing, if mm -hmm. there's uh, an accessible bar, a lowered bar, if there's ramps coming in and out of the building, if there's a disabled toilet, hopefully, which yeah. isn't being used as a cloakroom. Or a stockroom, which is quite common. Room. That's very common. Um, and then there'll be a silver award and a gold award. And, you know, in the gold category, you've got something like Glastonbury, which has been an absolute trailblazer for um, accessibility. Uh -huh. uh, this is the first festival I ever went to when I was 14 and I stayed on the disabled campsite. And it was, I, you know, it's the first time I'd ever, let alone been to a music festival, it's the first time I'd, I'd seen disabled people just welcomed with open arms at a music festival. Yeah. Um, and uh, so the Charter Best Practice is an amazing thing. And then you've got venues like the Roundhouse in London is a gold mm -hmm. charter venue, um, the Sage in Newcastle, places like that. They've really gone out of their way to accommodate disabled um, artists and audiences. So it, once I once I became friendly with Suzanne, she she um, kind of encouraged me to to be more open and talking about it. And I became a patron yeah. of Attitudes is Everything. And then since then, it's become, with each year, it's become a bigger, bigger part of my life. And it's something that is incredibly dear to my heart. And I, I like to talk about whenever I can. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's super interesting that for you, like, I don't want to say like the wake up moment, because that's not what it was, but like a moment that really changed things for you was when you had to go into a wheelchair, because before then it wasn't necessarily at the forefront of your mind. And that actually you then realized afterwards that there's some work to be done here because, and, and there still is work to be done. I'm not saying that it, the work is complete because actually I don't think the work will ever be complete. But yeah. the fact that you've been able to like, you know, look at your own experiences and be like, wow, there is there's work to be done here and I can I can put my name to this and help it out is incredible. It is incredible. And it is it's something that, as you said, the work is never done. I mean, it's it's um, it feels like the conversation around disability is is, is this um, 
is this you know ever evolving increasingly um complex and nuanced um educational process which we're yes. all part of and that society you know we're all we're all in this learning curve together um and it is a conversation which feels like it's evolving and really interesting voices are joining the conversation and it's it's a wonderful time to witness it because i mean just taking for example um going back to the accessibility at, at, at music festivals i remember um when i first started going to festivals that you know and i i Reading Festival, Leeds Festival, you know, lots, lots of people. Everybody go to loves it. Reading and Leeds. Oh, some of the best nights of my life. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like your sort of uh, gateway music festival. <laughs> yeah. and, and I remember going down, and I'd go up to the disabled, the disabled platform to watch, you know, Arctic Monkeys or Arcade Fire or whatever it was, yeah. and there'd be a few people there, and they'd be having an incredible time. But you know, now when I go to disabled festival, um, I mean, where was I? I was watching the Stones actually last weekend in in uh, in London Hyde Park, and there was about four hundred people on this disabled platform. It was absolutely huge, and I just looked at this. And I, you know, it was incredible. Twenty years ago, when I first started getting into music, I could have never imagined that um, festivals would really, really get on board with accessibility, yeah. and um, and um, it's an incredible thing. We we played a festival couple of weeks ago well it was about a month ago in um Brockwell Park in London which was called Jubilation Festival and um and it was it was really really amazing to see the efforts that the festival had gone to 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 kind of really think outside the box so mm -hmm. there was sign language for all the um all the artists on on the main stage that we were playing on um so we had to send our lyric you know they contacted us a good two or three weeks before the festival we had to send in all our lyrics so we actually had to we had to sort of think about our set list weeks before the show yeah. which, which is you know again it's one of those things that um quite often you sort of make it up on the night but we had to actually put in a little <laughs> bit of organization and some thought into it which was it was it was great actually to really to put that time into it and then when we showed up um you know the the the, the um the person doing sign language she was the star of the show you know everyone was just cheering for her and she was dancing and it was this sort of dance interpretation of what we were singing about and it felt like she was part of the performance with us yeah I can um, imagine and then another amazing thing that the festival um, had were these haptic suits. Okay. Which, again, it's the first time I've ever seen it at a music festival, but um, they are, I don't know if you ever went to like, um, what was it called? Laser Quest or Quasar. Oh, yeah. I loved that. I and loved you, it. And then you would get like little points for shoot. Oh my God, I loved it. And loved you know, you'd it. strap on these suits and whenever you got shot by a laser, it would sort of vibrate. And it would be, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and so that it's it's essentially it's this, it's a very similar technology. They're these suits that you strap on, but they have sensors which attach to your ankles, which attach to your arms and to your chest, and they respond not only to the bass and the music. So they're getting a feed from the sound system. So uh -huh. you're, you're getting the the rumble from the bass, but then they're also responding to the reaction in the audience. So there's sensors, there's microphones which are picking up the audience reactions. So when people are absolutely screaming and stamping their feet, your body pack starts rumbling. So you're not just vibrating. Getting, you're, yeah, you're vibrating with, not only with the music, but with the energy of the crowd. So for people with um, sensory impairments, that is just absolutely amazing. And it just shows how 
you know, as much as we like to moan about technology and, and, you know, how things like, you know, the internet and social media have in some ways taken us further away from ourselves in another way, you know, they're enabling us to connect with each other in a way that it was just impossible to envisage um, envisage 20 years ago. So it was a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. That sounds absolutely incredible. Mm. Like, and I've said it before and I'll say it again that when social media and technology is used well and for like the benefit of like everyone it can do absolute wonders like that technology like I can't even imagine what that would be like I've never seen it and I kind of want to experience it for myself because I think it sounds amazing but then Mm. when you think about all the people who would never have been able to experience like a live music event before and they can experience that that is genuinely beautiful because how how else is someone else going to experience it if they can't do it you know in like an able-bodied way or like a non-disabled way and then they get this and this is their version and like how like how beautiful is that it's wonderful you know and and (coughs) obviously um you know gigs are uh, gigs and festivals aren't always the most comfortable things I mean when I was younger before um I, I began playing at festivals like I said I was an avid festival goer and I'd go and I'd cling on to the the you know the front um barrier for hours to, you know I'd get there hours before the headliner just so yeah. I could get a good view I remember having to stand and I sometimes I just have to sit on the floor in the mud for a bit just to rest my legs and stand up and you know having to you're not wanting to go to the loo because you don't want to lose your place in the crowd and then especially somewhere like Glastonbury or Reading you know which are, which are big festival sites sort of having to schlep across the sites festivals can be quite um you know uncomfortable and difficult to navigate for even able-bodied people yeah for sure, you know, or, pe- for sure. or people with anxiety disorders hidden disabilities all these sorts of things but when you offset that with the joy that the live music experience brings to us you know it is it is something that every everyone can get something from and it can just lift you out of um any situation that you're in you know you could you you can show up at a gig having the worst day having had you know just the shittest time having a crap time at work crap time at home having had bad news and live music can just lift you out of that and it can kind of elevate you to to a completely different place and i think um, it's, I always say this, it's, it's the strongest painkiller known to man, you know, and it's, it's why we go to a funeral and we hear a song because it, you know, a song can heal us. Um, and going to a rave, going to a festival, going to see, you know, a wonderful acoustic gig in a church, all, that can do all, all of those things as well. So let's make it accessible for as many people as possible. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's bang on, isn't it? Is at the end of the day, and sometimes accessibility isn't even asking for much it's just asking for what should already be done just nobody's necessarily thought about it or nobody's like been in the venue or worked in the venue that has not had the immediate access to it and so as much as I understand there is still so much work to be done sometimes it's just not thought about because it's not there immediately and that's nobody's fault that's unfortunately that is just the way society is but you know times are changing and things are moving which is great it it is and I think it's it's um you know an, another thing to think about is that is that with disability there is no kind of one size fits all with it and I think um 
you know, to begin with, it was putting ramps into venues so that wheelchairs could get in. But then it took another probably five years for people to realise, oh, but actually, but then once once people wheelchairs are in, the bars kind of up here and it's above head height and no one's going to see. So then the bars got lowered. Yeah. And then, you know, and, and so, so the, um, you know, the more of these barriers get broke, broken down, the, the easier that pathway is for people with disabilities. But then everyone, everyone has a completely different situation. Um, and so I think it is just going to be this constant um, upward learning curve, but hopefully it's going to lead us to a place where, um, you know, the world just is, is more accessible. And um, I think... What was I going to say? I mean, you know, the ultimate end goal for me is 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 for disabilities to almost be invisible because a disability shouldn't have to be something that you um, that you need to hold a blue badge up for or to have special accommodation for or special access or, or you know, special requirements. In a way, you want to forget about your disability. Because yeah. when I'm going about my day, the only time that I'm reminded that, that I am different to anyone else is when someone asks me, oh, what happened? You know, or, you know, they say, oh, what's wrong? And, I'm, and I have to explain to them. And, and until yeah. that person asked me that, I kind of, I'd forgotten that I was different to anyone else. Um, so I think it's, it's what we need to do is to find a way of living in a world that isn't reminding us constantly that we are disabled. It's, yeah. and, and that happens when those barriers are broken down. So you just, you, you forget about the barriers. Yeah. And I love that is that you're actually, you're breaking down the barriers to forget that they ever existed and to yeah, forget that, that there were barriers in the first place. I mean, I don't want to say forever that they never existed because obviously they didn't. And that's harmed a lot of people. And a lot of people have fought for the rights that we now have, but it's breaking them down to the point where actually there's no need for them absolutely yeah and, you know because i'm sure lots of listeners you as you, um of your podcast will feel the same way that we probably do which is that you know you're 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 born in the into the body that you live in and you go about your day and each day is you know it's another day in your body there's nothing different it's it's just you know another day in your life and um but every time you come against some um you know some what's the word, some, you know, some friction from the outside world or questioning or those sort of disparaging looks that people give you or sympathy um, or um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, discrimination of any kind. That is what just sort of throws you back to the, to um, certainly for me, it takes me back to being a teenager and sort of feeling different to everyone else. But most of the time, I don't feel like that. It's only, it's the environment and it's attitudes that make you yeah. feel like that within yourself. You know, we've, we're all pretty good at coping with the hands that we're given in life. You know, we're human beings are very resilient. We find ways around things, don't we? Yeah. And I do sometimes think, and I say, and this sounds very, very harsh, but sometimes with disability, it is very much sink or swim. So you either just crack on and get on with what you're given or you don't and then that is like for you to to sort your own shit out in the in the nicest way possible because society mm. doesn't always give us another option it's it's right. more about moving forward with what you've got and you know if you've got to break down a few barriers on your way then by all means absolutely do it but if you if you don't like start moving towards that then you're always going to be in the same place and always going to be in the same position and that's not necessarily helpful for everybody else around you that's right that's absolutely true yeah so, it's an interesting one isn't it and I'm just I'm so interested to talk about 
the earlier part of your career because you you said that you know at first couple of years of your career you didn't really think about being disabled and did you have any barriers to entry at that point in time or did you did you come up against anything that, that stopped you doing what you were doing because you were disabled um well I would say that the the, the more time has gone on and the more I suppose established uh my band has become the easier things have got because mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like that it's 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 kind of a cliche really but in music it's like you know at the beginning in the beginning everything costs money you know actually you're paying to play a lot of the time yeah um and you know the more time goes on the more you get paid um the more things you get given for free you know suddenly people are throwing clothes at you and and you know sponsoring you and all these sorts of things um but it's it's those early days that actually that's when you decide if if this is something you want to do and it's it you know that that's the time that you decide whether actually this is a life I want to I want to throw myself into and um because it those are the grafting years those early years and I think for me my attitude with it with, with it was always just keep your head down and you know when I came across these barriers which were things like having to play you know tiny well we call them toilet venues which isn't really fair because the music industry's so many venues have had to close down you know over the last 15 20 years so uh, you know I think independent grassroots venues are really something to celebrate but essentially kind of crap sounding rooms above pubs you know which the kind of venues that you play um when you're starting when you're starting out you know those are the hardest venues to get in and out of because um you know they're not made for touring brands bringing in equipment on wheels and rolling straight up onto the stage it's very much like you know you're in the back of a car you're loading shit upstairs you're playing and then you're driving probably two three hours to go back home so that's what playing gigs was like in the early days and it was really um you know it was it was difficult to do that but and I think I relied hugely on um on my bandmates uh, you know this is before we had any crew anything like yeah. that so those those barriers were were very real um but I think I felt I felt a great privilege ha- being part of a friendship group who were my band that were incredibly supportive and understanding and they didn't see me as any different to them you know yeah and that was a wonderful thing but I've got friends who are solo artists um with disabilities who are starting out in music or you know at kind of more at the beginning of their journeys and it's a lot harder yeah, um, not to have that support network that a, you know that a band can provide. Yeah, because I guess with a band, it, it's not like as you say, like it's not just you. There is you know, like three or four other people who you can kind of rely on to like help you out as and when is necessary. And like as you say, you're, you're friends as well. So that element of friendship is you never really want to see your friends sink or, or fail. So you will always help them out, which yeah. is which is so lovely as well. And that actually being in a band's probably been more beneficial for you. And had you been a solo artist, it may have been like a completely different story. Absolutely. And I think had I been a solo artist um, or if I was a solo artist, I think my disability would have been a much bigger part of my story from the beginning. Whereas I think when being in a band meant that I could sort of, you know, I could uh, disappear into the woods a little bit. I could sort of hide in the crowd, you know, being in a band full of able-bodied people, my disability could sort of sink into the background a little bit. Whereas if you're out there on your own, um, 
it's it you know it's inescapable it's 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 there as a very public facing part of your identity and i've got um huge admiration for you know um people who who do go out there on their own and do it you know yeah yeah and with all of this and obviously you've had you know up and down times as everybody has in their life would you say that you found a positive attribute within yourself from going through some form of hardship, like in regards to your disability? Like, have you found that there's something within yourself that you're like, actually, I'm so proud of that part of me for carrying on and going through? I'm not very good at the sort of, uh, what's the word? Like, um, I try not to, I try not to overthink it, overthink it too much really, or, I mean, I suppose every now and again, you have a little milestone that you get through and you think, oh, you know, that was tough. Uh, you know, I feel good yeah. that I made it through that. But I think most of the time I'm just I'm trying to just sort of keep my head down and just I mean, it, to, to be perfectly honest with you, I think those those moments I really get from writing songs. It's more like having, you know, yeah. it's, you know, that, that those those sort of sense of self-achievement I think it comes much more from like oh, I really feel great about this song or you know seeing how a song's connected with someone else you know an individual or how it has been received by your audience you know in a way those things that's kind of what I'm always shooting for and when I do yeah. you know in a way when I do realize that oh actually I've kind of gone through like a, you know, I've had more of like a, a kind of um a more personal kind of disability related breakthrough those things actually the things that take me by surprise because a lot of the time I'm not thinking about that you know we're all just getting on with our careers and our lives aren't we you know yeah, we're not what, really we what we do exactly um but then every now and again you know some I suppose someone might someone might come and say something to me and say you know uh I've had a few people reach out for example whose kids have been born with spina bifida uh -huh. and they and I suppose they've they've been looking out for people in the public eye who can maybe give them some kind of encouragement that their kid's going to be okay and that their kid's going to do all right in this life you know and whenever I do hear from people like that we've struck up a real friendship and I've mm -hmm. you know I've, I've tried to kind of write back to them and just say like please don't worry like you know your kid's going to be your kid's going to be absolutely fine yeah. um and uh th I suppose those are the moments that I you know there there is like a little moment of oh, it is cool to be able to do this because um, there was definitely a time where I probably, the um, the life I, I probably had laid out for me by other people was was not something that resembled this. I mean, certainly when I was younger, you know, um, I don't know, I suppose the idea of like being a touring rock musician wasn't something that was ever <laughs> on the cards. But it's, 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 you know, it's a wonderful thing how life kind of turns out sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And with that, and interesting that you, you um, people have like come into contact with you to talk about, you know, is that kid going to be okay? Because I like to ask everyone if they could go back and give them, themselves a piece of advice, what would they say? But also what's a piece of advice that you've got for someone who is younger with the same disability as you? It's a big one. Um, it's a good one, isn't it? It's a really, it's a really <laughs> good one. It's a These really are well thought one. out questions, if I do say so myself. <laughs> they are, they are. Um, you're good at your job, Brooke. 
Oh, um, thanks. And that's on record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, oh, God. Um, oh, I quite, feel quite emotional think about that. I mean, I suppose, you know, to answer the first question, I think I'd probably, if I could speak to my younger self, I'd just say, um, don't let, you know, the haters, for, for want of a better word, um, uh, change the way that you see yourself. And uh-huh. I think, you know, I think the coping mechanisms that you find as a young person uh, are incredibly powerful things that will see you through. Um, uh, and I would just say, don't feel shitty about being different to everyone else. Don't feel that you need to kind of fit in into this this idea that society has of of um the kind of life that's laid out for you because you can create you can you know you can totally create your own reality mm-hmm. um so don't be boxed in by you know narrow-minded opinions that other people may hold about you or what kind of life yeah. um you you have in front of you and then in, in to, to someone you know with uh with my condition that's younger i just say you know don't be hard on yourself and maybe don't feel like you always need to keep up with everyone else it's okay to do things at your own pace and it's it's okay to you know everyone's limitations everyone's um potential is completely different and i think you, you know, if you're, if you are always sort of running to try and catch up with everyone else, it can get you into problems. And, I, you know, I've spent a lot of my life in hospital, probably by trying to party as hard as everyone else, by trying <laughs> to stay up as late as everyone else, by trying to go to as many festivals as all my friends. And, you know, I've got the scars to show for it. And they're not necessarily, um, they're not things I'm ashamed of, but it's, it's got me into some sticky situations trying to keep up with everyone else. So, I would say like be kind to yourself that's something that kind of makes me shrivel up inside a little bit but it is it is just you know health is everything and that's kind of the biggest takeaway that I've had um personally for through you know navigating a life in music as someone with a disability is that health without your health you have nothing yeah you have nothing you know good health is everything so do things at your own pace and yes, be ambitious. Yes. Shoot for the stars and all the rest of it, but just do things, you know, be, be kind to yourself as well. Yeah. And I love that you said that about just like, don't put yourself into a box because I remember last year thinking society wants to put everybody in a box, but what like people inside don't realize is, is actually the box is cardboard and you can stand on it and you can squish it and it doesn't mm. exist. And that's how I always now see like when people are like, oh, trying to put you like pigeonhole you or put you in a box. I'm always like, the box is cardboard. Like the box is not concrete. I can squish this box. Like it does not matter. I can stamp on it. I can set fire to it. It doesn't really exist. And that's a great. And also what you said about, you know, taking taking it easy on yourself is so true because I think a lot of disabled people before they have fully maybe accepted that actually they are disabled is that we do try and keep up with everybody else. And like, Mm -hmm. Lord knows I've done it and I've got myself into some horrendous injuries because of it. And Mm. like actually taking a step back and being like, it's okay that I do things a little bit differently or like I'm a little bit slower or like I need more rest is absolutely fine. 
because at it the is. end of the day like you've got to look after number one and number one is yourself because if you don't like what kind of life is that you're not living it for yourself you're then living it for everyone else around you to prove a point that doesn't really exist 100 percent. and and do you know i'd probably add on to that is i think um i hope this isn't being too uh sort of thinking about it as too much of a binary but i think it is quite a male thing and the the the, the women in my family my sister mother girlfriend you know cousins are always saying you know like the men in my family are really bad at looking after ourselves. I think probably <laughs> probably because we are so, um, you know, it's probably a combination of like, you know, uh, male ego, macho, all these sorts of things. And that, you know, that is there, that sort of toxic male culture of, you know, wanting to be a hard man and wanting to like, you know, it, it, it is bullshit and, yeah. and it is damaging. And, um, and I'm, I'm not saying this it's just a male thing, but I, you know, I especially like need to call myself out and men out that yeah. there is this like hugely kind of competitive thing of like, you know, you don't, you don't want to be the first, first guy to go down, you know, essentially it's this fear of weakness. Uh-huh. And I think it, it, it's, you know, it, it is, it's hugely toxic and it, and it is hugely damaging. So um, I think that's particularly, you know, it's particularly common with men. Yeah. So I have one particular question that really annoys me when it comes to my disability. And that is, did a shark bite your arm off? Because from the ages of maybe like seven, maybe to 17, it was a question that I got asked all of the time. And that was around about the time. And I always forget this girl's name. And if I ever interview her, it's going to be very embarrassing. But it was around about the time when the girl in Australia went out surfing and then lo and behold, a shark bit her arm off. And so that became like the first thing that people wanted to ask me when they saw my arm. Because they were like, like, she only has one hand as well. There must be a story here. So for me, that's a Mm. that's a conversation that I'm like, this is this is pointless and intrusive. And for you, is there any questions that are, are particularly intrusive or like you find a bit annoying? Um. It's, it's usually what happens. I mean, um, I sort of have a, a, a wealth of different answers that I give different <laughs> people depending on, depending on A, what kind of a mood I'm in, depending on how much time I've got for them, depending if I, you know, I feel like uh, they were asking the question from a position of respect and intrigue mm. or just like, you know, uh, you know, that sort of like, just completely knee-jerk insensitive curiosity of just like oh what happened you know without any consideration of what kind of a day that person's having you know what what they have to deal with on a day-to-day basis I mean I've I've you know I've spouted all kinds of stories about how I got my my uh how I ended up on crutches but um if it's someone you know I'm genuinely interested in having a conversation with yeah I'll, I'll I'm completely open to talk about yeah. talking about absolutely um but you're but you're right you know it can feel intrusive um you know and sometimes you just think who do you think you are what gives you the right just to like yeah exactly you know, say to someone oh what happened or like you know um yeah it's 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 incredibly it's incredibly offensive I mean I I, I think um my situation is is probably slightly related to what I was saying earlier about in the in the years in the early years of the band because I sort of hid my disability to some degree 
quite often people will come up to me who are fans of the band who have seen us, you know, multiple times at festivals. And I'll say, what happened? I'll say, what do you mean what happened? I mean, I'm... It's been like this the whole time. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Like, you know, um, but because I... I, because I was so private about it in the early days, I kind of realised actually you can't be angry at people because, um, you know, when we are naturally curious, you know, it's 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 it's, it's a human characteristic. Um, that doesn't excuse people just just um, you know, sort of very invasively asking you, yeah, you know, without respect. But we are curious, and I think if you don't talk about it in a way, it it you sort of can expect more people to be surprised by it, I suppose. And I think you're very, very true with what you say. It it depends where the question comes from, because if it's genuine curiosity, then there's no issues whatsoever. But if it's almost used as like a, like a way in as a bit of a conversation or like sometimes even a conversation starter, I'm like, I don't even know your name. And I, I just don't care. I don't need to give you that information. (laughs) Like it's not, it's not for sale. (laughs) Exactly. And I've got, only got one more question for you. And it's my favourite question of the whole podcast. And everybody answers it the exact same way. And right. that is, Blaine, can you say that you are disabled and proud? I am disabled and I am proud. Absolutely. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. I have loved this because I think it's been such a good insight to the music industry and accessibility and, and particularly talking about technology as well. And I think this has been absolutely fascinating and I'm just, yeah, I've loved it. Thank you so much for giving me your time. Well, thank you for doing what you do and, you know, for using your platform to, um, you know, to, 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 to just open up um, the conversation around disability because it is, I'd say it's one of the last big stigmas um, you know, in, in our society. I mean, as I always say, you know, when was the last time you, you saw someone um, with a walking, with a white cane accept a, um, an Oscar or someone or a blind person accept a Grammy or a Brit Award? It's just, you know, we don't see enough disabled um, role models. No, on, we don't. Out there in society. And so, and so I think the more that um, we can use our platforms to, to, you know, to debunk the myths and just open the conversation up. I think that the happier, um, you know, the happier our, our lives are going to be and the more the more accessible, um, you know, the workplace and the, you know, the entertainment industry, the podcasting industry, all these places are going to be for people. So, yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. Oh, thanks so much. That means a lot. Well, I've absolutely loved this chat and I mean, I hope that you have as well, but it's been so nice talking to you. Thanks so much. And you too, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.